Hey guys, this is Bruce. Welcome to Combo Courses Podcast. We do this once a week where we talk about security topics, specifically GRC, security compliance. And um, today I want to start off by telling you guys about some transformational books that I've read over the past, probably the past um, six months um, that I've been kind of revisiting life-changing books that are not necessarily specifically cybersecurity related, not necessarily um, related to security compliance. Um, which I mostly read, but they might affect your development in your career, whatever that happens to be. And these three books are, one is called Atomic Habits. These are not my books, by the way, (laughs) for once. Uh, One is called Atomic Habits, which talks about goals. The other one is 12-week year. And the other one is a book called You Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. And I'm going to briefly explain like how these books can help you out in your in your life. And if you uh, want to seek these books out, you know, just you can just Google it and go to Amazon, buy it from Barnes and Noble or wherever, you know, Google, wherever you're going to buy it. Um, doesn't matter as long as you can get your hands on the book because it's life changing. The first book uh, is called Atomic Habits. It's by James Cleary. And what I got from the book is it's a it's breaking goals down to their most fundamental elements, the atomic portions of the goal. And he's taken things from research. He's taken things from uh, things in his own personal life and boiling them down. And the book got so much praise that I just decided to take a look at that book. And wow, it's I don't regret it. What I got from the book, I'll just highlight one thing that I or two things that I got from each book. But from this book, uh, one thing he said in there that he emphasizes that to get the goals you want, to accomplish the goals you you want, you have to become the person that uh, accomplishes those goals. So if you want to be a CEO, you need to become, you need to act, behave like a CEO. You need to become that guy. If you want to make six figures, what does a six figures person act like? You need to become that, that person. Uh, So that book is called Atomic Habits by James Cleary. Another really great thing I got from that book is focus on the system that creates the goal and not the goal itself. It's more important that you create a system and a process that gets you the goal than it is to focus too much on the actual, the, the end goal itself. And let me show you what that book looks like. So that book looks like this, Atomic Habits by James Cleary. Awesome, life-changing book, especially if you're a goal-oriented person. Um, There's a lot of other things he talks about, like writing your goal down, creating an environment for the goal. Those are the kinds of awesome things that you want to do. But, I mean, he goes into great detail about it. He's got downloadables. He's got a website and all this kind of stuff. It's a whole process. It's not just a book. It's an experience. The second book I wanted to tell you guys about is called The 12-Week Year. So this book has two concepts that stuck with me that are have been life-changing. And the reason I've been able to create so many books, if you're wondering like how in the hell am I able to write so many books and put so much stuff out, it's because of this book right here. It's called 12 Week Year and it's the the concept is simple. You take 12 weeks and you you put those into 12 you take 12 months in a year, right? You condense those into 12 weeks. So basically everything you were going to do in a month, you do it in a week. And it sounds like crazy. The first time you hear the concept, you're like, are you out of your mind? How can I do everything I was going to do in 12 weeks, in 12 years, in one year? 
How can I do that in 12 weeks? So that's the magic of it because you can do it. But what it does is when you start to do it, you realize you got to cut out everything else that's not important. You got to focus on just what's absolutely important. And you got to cut out all the fat. And another thing, a uh, concept that it introduced it introduced to me was um, I've heard of it before, but the way they broke it down in the book made me completely understand it. Lead indicators versus lag indicators. Both are important, but one outweighs the other. And so a lead indicator, the best way I can explain it is if you were trying to lose weight. I'll use two different examples. One, losing weight, and another one would be uh, getting a degree. So if you were trying to lose weight and you were you step on the scale every day and you're looking at you, you're trying to lose 20 pounds and you're looking at the scale and it says, oh, you lost one pound or you you gained two pounds, whatever the case may be. That's a lag indicator um, because it's dependent on something else. In order for you to lose the weight, you have to cut your you have to go to the gym. You have to change your diet. You have to, you know, there's other things you have to do. A lead indicator are the actual reps, is the actual calories, is the actual thing you do. So a lead indicator leads you to what you're trying to do. And the reason why that's an important aspect of this book is because it forces you to think about the lead indicators and the things that actually change your life rather than just focusing on the lag indicators, which most of us do that. Most of us, if we're trying to lose weight or whatever, we're going to get on the scale and we're going to be looking and watching the scale. Okay, did I gain weight, muscle mass? Did I did I lose weight? And you focus too much on the score rather than the reps that it takes, the miles you had to run, the calories you had to not eat, you know, because that the, that part that hurts, that's the lead indicator. And that's the part that earn, that that is going to earn you, get you where you want to go. And the 12-week year is uh, it's powerful because it forces you, if you, listen, if you think that it's not possible to do everything you were going to do in one year and 12 weeks, if somebody put a gun to your head, if somebody kidnapped your kids and said, do this in 12 weeks or you're going to die, I bet you find a way. And so if you have a 12-week year, it's forcing you to do everything that you have to do to accomplish that goal, and it you strips away everything else you were going to do. I'll give you a specific example from my own life. So my goal for the year was I wasn't going to learn another language. I was going to get in shape, get a six-pack abs. I was going to earn another $100,000 a year. I was going to, what else was I going to do? I was going to, um, I wanted to easily run three miles. I wanted to uh, buy real estate. I wanted to, I had like 15 different things I wanted to do, right? I started the 12-week year, and I had all this whole map of how I was going to do it all. In the first week, I nearly I felt like I was going to die because I was literally doing everything it took. But I was like, okay, I can't do all this stuff. A real, a real, a, a realization hit me is that I'm doing too many things. I, I got to focus on one thing, maybe two. So I cut everything else out. It forced me to think about the most important thing that I absolutely want to do in 12 weeks, in one year, if I had one year and, I, and there was nothing else I wanted to do and accomplish, it forced me to take the most important thing and focus on that one thing at a time, one thing. And so that's what I did. I started focusing on writing. 
And that's how I've been able to write so many books. Lead indicator versus lag indicator for your degree. If you let's say you applied it to your career path and your degree and your certification, whatever it happens to be, a lag indicator would be um, really uh, whether or not you passed. Let's say you were taking A plus certification. A lag indicator would be uh, if you were taking um, if the the test itself actually is a lag indicator. You you take the test, you fail it. You you failed uh, the core one of the test. A lead indicator would be you read three books. You your lead indicators. I read three books on this topic. I I took two courses on this topic. I took it's the reps. It's the time you put in. And so why the lead indicator is so important is because what, what ha ends up happening is you set a goal for yourself. And when you go after that lead indicator, you will automatically get the lag indicator. I hope that makes sense. So 12 week year, super important book, life changing. Um, it's been super powerful. And, and that's the way I've been able to write all these books so quickly is because if somebody pointed a gun to my head and said, you absolutely have to get this certification, if you have to absolutely have to get this degree, if you had to get an A in this class, how are you going to do it? You're going to do everything in your power. You're going to cut out all the partying, all the drinking, all the clubs, all the I don't do any of that stuff. But if if there's things that I do that are distractions from from actually getting stuff done and whatever those things are, a 12 week year is going to cut all that stuff out. So uh, and force you to just focus on what you absolutely need to do for the next 12 weeks, three months. The last book I want you to tell you guys about. Um, and I think I saved the best for last is this book right here called You Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. So the reason why this is so important. There's a lot of things in this book that were very powerful, but the most powerful thing for me was one thing he said in this book. Uh, which is definitely going to be a quotable till the end of time, I think, when people finally realize it. He said, don't focus on the things that you think you deserve. Focus, target the things you're willing to earn. So think about that for a second. When I heard that in the book, first of all, this book is about a dude who's a, he was a Navy SEAL. He's, he was uh, special forces in three different services. He was special forces in uh, in the Navy as a Navy SEAL. He was special forces in the Air Force. He was special forces in the Army. And he did a whole bunch of stuff. And this dude's military career is ridiculous. He's, it's absolutely ridiculous. So <laughs> and if, you, if you've been in the military, you know what that really means, right? I was in the military and not many people can do what he did. Nobody can do what he did. I, I mean, very, very few people can do what he did. So um, anyway, this guy did it. And what he learned at the end of the book, I don't, I'm not even going to ruin for you guys who are real serious and actually going to go through this book. For me, the, the, the ending of the book was really powerful. I, I didn't see it coming. And um, but one thing he said in the book was that don't focus on what you think you deserve. Target what you're willing to earn. And it, it hit me in the heart because I was thinking to myself. It, it made me think about why the reasons why I'm I'm so angry all the time. I'm very I'm I'm bitter and I'm angry and it's not something I lash out. People don't see it. Like if you meet me, you'll never know. But I realized 
I'm, I'm so bitter and angry. And the reason why is because I think I deserve more than what people give me, whether it's at my country, my, the organizations I work for, my, my family and friends. I do so much. I feel like I do so much that I deserve more, but I'm not getting it reciprocal in my relationships. Um, I don't know. Respect. Uh more money at my the organization I work for. I don't feel like I feel like I put in so much work. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter what you think you deserve from all the people who you sacrifice yourself for and do all this stuff for. It's what's more important is what you're willing to earn. Because you can't force people to give you back the love you think you deserve. You can't force people to respect you at the certain level that you think that you deserve. You can't. But what you can do is learn to love and respect your own work so that it doesn't matter what other people think about you. It doesn't matter even if they give you praise. You're like, well, I, I appreciate that. But you know that you've done a hundred things for this person or for that organization or for yourself that you've already given yourself praise for. You know they, there's no way they can they can ever pay you back for what you've already done that they don't even know you did. So you're just like, well, I appreciate, you know, I appreciate what you're saying, but the the respect and love that you have for yourself will far outweigh because you earned it for yourself. Does that? I hope that makes sense. Another th powerful thing about that statement is target what you're willing to earn. Think about that. If you're really willing to earn something whether it's be a millionaire, whether it's be start a business, whether it's um, becoming a CEO of a corporation, becoming a director, becoming a manager, getting into IT in the first place, uh, being the best in your family, being the best for yourself, being uh, whatever it happens to be, right? Whatever it happens to be. If you're willing to earn it, you will stop at nothing. You will stop at nothing to earn to earn it. You will you will stop at nothing. If your life depends on it, you will do it. And you'll do whatever it takes to get it. Whatever it happens to be. When you have that mindset, nothing will stop you. Not even failing a hundred times. If you take a test, you fail it, you'll just be like, okay, now, now I have a better chance of passing it the next time. And then you'll go take it again. What you're willing to earn means you'll do whatever it takes to get to that, that end goal. And if it's respect, if it's the respect of your organization, if it's the respect of your country, if it's the respect of your family, respect of your spouse, think about it like this. You can't force another person to reciprocate your respect and love. But the effort you put forward, you know what effort you need to be great. And once you reach that, nobody can take that away from you. And it doesn't even matter when they praise you or not. Just the other day, a few weeks ago, I do pretty good at my job. And I'm, you know, I'm good at what I do. So I'm at my job, I'm doing all this work. And they're like, they take me aside and they're like, yo, like you do, they didn't say yo, but they're like, man, you are, we're, we're thinking about promoting you because, you know, you've done so well here and you've only been here for X amount of months. And like, man, you, I'm, we're so impressed. I was just talking to the boss about how well you're doing. And you know what? I was stoic. I'm like, I was like, thanks. That's it. Because 
I've done a hundred things for them that they don't even know about. There's nothing that they can say that's going to meet the amount of praise that I have for myself inside. Not that I don't respect what they said. I respect it. I love that. That's great. But they can give me accoutrements, love, respect, rewards. The reward that I gave myself for accomplishing those goals is far outweighs what they could give me. And that's the same for my family. That's the same for my for this country, for the United States of America. There's nothing that they can say to me. There's nothing that they can give me. It a purple heart of nothing that they could say that's going to be more than what I gave to the average American people who don't even know what I did. There's nothing they can so if you're if you target what you're willing to earn, like you the reward is the it's its own reward. And that's what this book is talking about. It's a powerful book. This book right here. So those three books are life changing. So if you can pick up, let me just kind of go through them again. The first one was Atomic Habits by James Cleary. Great book that breaks down um, in its purest form how to accomplish, make habits that accomplish goals. 12-week year. Condensing an entire year's worth of work. What you would normally do, like at whenever you do your um your uh your New Year's resolution, think about all those, but doing them in three months, 12 weeks. Uh, it's a psychopathic way to, but it makes you it goes, you'll go into beast mode if you read this book because it tells you how to do it. And then the last book is the one I was just talking about, which is You Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. It's really a biography of a of an incredible dude. And uh, this, what you'll get out, what I got out of it is, is how to, how to run this race, this marathon called life. It's way, it goes way beyond your career and it goes into like how you, how to go more hard in your life, in your whole life, not just your career but everything, every aspect of your life. So those are the three books. I, I hope that you guys go out and go get that. I have nothing to do with these books. You're not going to, if you click the link that's in the description, it's not going to give me money or anything like that. I just thought these books, these books greatly affected me, like have made my life better. And I think that if you check these books out, they got an audio version of these books. You can download them. You can get the hard copy of it. You know, you can get the, the paperback of it. You can get the Kindle. They've got all kinds of discounts. Go ahead and grab the books. And um, and check them out. These are life changing books. You should really spend your time with them. These are not these are not books that you're just going to like whip through. It's probably something I'm I've already revisited a couple of these books twice there. It's a it's a it's a reference book for your life. These are life changing books. OK, let me get to the questions that you guys have here. I'm not going to talk about just uh, books all day long, but let me see. Somebody said, hey, Bruce, what projects? Should I learn to apply to my resume for cybersecurity? What project should I learn to apply to my resume for cyber? It depends, Jay Penn, what you're trying to do. What are you trying to do? Because cybersecurity is a very broad field. So if you're trying to go into IT itself is a broad field. So IT is like broken into like, you know, networking, cloud technologies, our AI, artificial intelligence. Um, you name it, crypt cryptography, cybersecurity. Cybersecurity itself has different breakdowns. You've got 
in cybersecurity itself, you've got cryptography, you've got the sciences of, of create, you've got firewall admins, you've got um, ID, uh, IDS, IPS uh, administrators, you've got stuff what I do, which is GRC type stuff. You've got all kinds of where, what types of stuff that you do you want to do? Now, if you're an entry level person, like you've never done anything at all with cyber, I would suggest you uh, learning the basics. So the common body of knowledge that you that I tell everybody to do, if you don't know it already, is A plus certification. The CompTIA A plus does a really good job of breaking down all the most important things you need to learn. And those uh, include things like what's the difference between a server and a client? mobile devices how do they work what's the difference between that and a server what just basic things that you need to know networking basic networking cloud technology basic security security best practices and you said that's what i'm stuck on in college right now entry level i'm interning right now that's awesome interning for what are you doing in are you doing it are you doing it stuff in interning Because if so, that's great. That's really, really great. Yes. Oh, man, that's awesome. Jay, you're in an incredible position. What I would advise you to do, follow along and do exactly what the song says. <laughs> As Eminem says. Let me see. Let me show you what I'm, I'm going to show you my screen right now if I can. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to log into my link, LinkedIn account. If you guys didn't know, if you wanted to join me, I have a LinkedIn account. Uh, let me see if I can. Oh, man, I didn't log into this thing. Uh, let me see. Do, 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 do. Uh, let me see if I can log in this thing real quick. Okay, hold on. Give me a second here. Give me a second. So I would encourage while I'm logging in here, I would encourage you to create a log, uh, uh, a LinkedIn account. Let me show you. I'm going to show you my LinkedIn account. And if you didn't know, I actually have a... Man, I look crazy on LinkedIn. <laughs> I, I apologize for my face. <laughs> oh my God, it's weird seeing myself do this, man. It's so weird. <laughs> oh, gotta do it though. Okay, okay. I'm at the risk of uh, doing a double voice here. Okay, anyway, anyway. Um, damn, I'm looking. It's weird, weird seeing myself do this, man. All right, give me a second here. I'm gonna switch my screen. I wish there was an easier way, I'm, but I'm a low-level TikToker. So. so what I would encourage you to do, Jay, is start these profiles right here. And for those of you on that are listening to me or on YouTube or Facebook, I'm about to show you guys right here. So here's my TikTok, my uh, LinkedIn page. Create a LinkedIn page and fill this thing out completely. And you want to put your internship and all that kind of stuff. Put your internship in here. Um, because let me show you. See this right here? This is where you would put your internship in, in your experience. You put your university here, the university you're working for, because make no mistake, you are working for them. Um, actually, no, you put your your title here. Your title goes here. Um so let's say you were help desk, uh, help desk representative or whatever it happens to be at University of Phoenix. And you'd put the time that you're working. If you're currently working there, you'd put September 
2023 to current to present. And then you put everything you're doing. And this is an important part because this is where you want to put all the keywords and stuff. And now if you don't know how to word this, you can check out my resume for free for downloadable. If you go to if you're on TikTok still, you can go to TikTok and download a free version of my resume and it breaks down how to word all this stuff. Because you want to put what you did as well as the impact. And there's a certain key words you want to put in there that are important to doing cyber. Now to change this, you would just go to edit and then you would change all this stuff up. You want to put your, about you. You want to put uh, a little picture. You don't have to do all these videos and stuff like I do. Um, that's kind of super extra. But you want to fill this part out. You want to put your name in there. Every part of this thing, 100% complete is what you want to do. The degree that you're working on right now, all the certifications you have, or if you're working on certifications, put that in there. Your skills, put all that stuff in there. And then you want to do you want to do this, and then you want to do this on Dice.com. You want to do this on Monster.com. And I know I sound like a broken record. Somebody said, wow, this guy's an echo chamber. Yes, this stuff is really important. Like If you're really trying to get in this career path, then listen to what I'm trying to tell you guys, because this is this is what you do. If you want if you want to get a job here, if you want to level up, this is this is how I've done it all these years. I make six figures. I work from home. The last four jobs I work for are working from home. We're making over six figures. And sometimes I'm able to work two jobs. You know, so you can do this, too. If I can do it, anybody can do it. So I'm telling you, this is how you do it. Uh, let me see. Mr. Bruce Brown, I got in and I watched some of your videos. Great information. Thanks. I'm looking for this. Thank you. Oh, awesome, man. Thank you for watching. I appreciate it. What level of clearance do you have? Um, currently, I don't have a clearance. I have a public trust. Public trust is not officially a clearance. So the last one I had was a secret. And before that, secret, top secret, stuff like that. But you don't need a clearance to get into cybersecurity, just so you know. A lot of people think that you need a clearance. No, they'll do a background check, but a background check is not a clearance. There's, they're, they're two separate things. Let me see if I have any other questions. Any tips on transitioning from to GRC as a CPA in audit? Yes. So, Jen, so if if you're trying to go, if you're in the financial sector currently, there's certain um, GRC stuff that you already are doing more than likely. So think to yourself, any kind of compliance stuff that you need to know or be familiar with as a CPA. So they might include things like, and I don't know if this applies to you. I'm, I'm not a CPA, but uh, there's a couple of ones off the top of my head I know about that are dealing with financial sector. One is called uh, PCI DSS, which deals mainly with card readers. So if you're familiar with that one, that'll help you. If you're familiar with Sarbanes-Oxley, Sarbanes-Oxley has something called internal controls that you can get more familiar with. But since you're familiar with some of the jargon of financials, the financial sector, it would actually benefit you more than benefits me because I'm I've done some stuff in the financial sector, but not like you're embedded in there. So, you know, their jargon, you know, what kind of financial institutions do what more than likely, you know, what kind of audits um, have to happen within an, a financial organization. Those things you can leverage to towards a cybersecurity um, experience. And that will help you into getting into the banking sector, into investing, into CPA organizations or whatever. And how you would leverage that if I were you is, is 
uh, do the security plus. If you don't have any kind of background in IT, if you're like really green with IT, like you don't know anything, then I would start with something like an A plus certification or you can do Google support IT. But the reason why I suggest CompTIA A plus is because that's the one I did. That was the first one I did. So I know their common body of knowledge is relevant to this to the career I'm talking about. And also, I, I know how marketable that one is. It's more marketable, in my opinion, than Google support IT. So I would, if you have no idea what to do, start with something like a an A plus certification. If you're, if this is the first one, it's not going to be easy. Um, then go to the security plus, and that's where the magic happens. That's where the money starts rolling in, and that's where you'll start to see some some interesting crossroads between cybersecurity and what you're currently doing as a CPA audit. Um, so that's what I would do. Some of the other things that you can do. Yes, yeah, Sarbanes-Oxley, I would look into that one, or it's called SOX, S-O-X, uh, and you'll you'll be familiar with some of the some of the jargon in there. There's a lot of crossroads between cybersecurity compliance and uh, and what you do in auditing for financial sector. So that's what I'm trying to tell you. So start with A plus, then go to Security plus, and then that's where you'll start to see a lot of stuff mesh with uh, the CPA audits that you're doing. Hope that helps. Um, somebody said work like work life balance for cybersecurity. I do IT work for a local government, and it's a cakewalk every day. Um, that's awesome. And so you do. Oh, is there asking if there is a work life balance for cybersecurity? Um, some jobs like the current job I'm in right now. We're we're short staffed. I'm working for a government organization. It's really really difficult work. I would say. There's a work-life balance, but if we want to get the job done, there is none because we don't have enough people doing the job because Americans don't want to do this work. I, I don't know what's going on, but we can't get people in that job. So <laughs> so um, is there a work-life balance? At the previous job I worked at, I worked a part-time job for like a pharmaceutical, and there was a huge work-life balance there. And the, the one before that was was a private sector. There was no work-life balance there. We traveled a lot. It was crazy. And then the one before that, they have great benefits though. And then the one before that was another government agency. Again, we just didn't have enough bodies. There was no work-life. It depends on what position you get, whether or not you have a work-life balance and how much work you're willing to put in. So hope that answers your questions. Mr. Perry says, driving GRC organizations need it, especially as governance levels make security efforts effective. Absolutely. Because of a lot of that's a great point, Perry, because I've noticed a lot of times the IT department will not listen to us unless GRC is involved, unless the governance of the organization mandates that they do cybersecurity, that they do GRC work, that they adhere to policies. If there's no policy uh, and it's not important to the organization, then the IT department's going to be just going to give you an F you. They're going to put up they're going to put up the finger and say, listen, we got work to do. I don't have time to listen to you tell me what to do. You know, <laughs> so governance means that the organization from the top is making sure everyone is doing what they're supposed to do from getting training, basic training on security, training, awareness to uh, making sure audit logs are on to making sure documentation is up to par to making sure they have a security 
doc, uh, security control documentation on this or that system. Those are all governance. Like it's like making sure the organization is doing what they're supposed to do in compliance with upper level of federal laws and, and le legislation. Uh, let me see. Somebody said getting a bachelor's degree in business administration with a concentration in cybersecurity. Well, first of all, congratulations. I think that's a great move. Um, the I can't speak on business administration, but cybersecurity is a hot, hot career path. The one thing I would say, Richie, is to go ahead and get a certification if you can before you get out of school. If, if it's possible, I would suggest a security plus or something like that. Uh, but even with what you have with your degree, it's going to be great. It's going to go a long way. So um, with your business background, they'll you and if you're older, you have more experience, you might be able to get yourself into like a management type position because they, they really need like a level headed people who are familiar enough with IT to, to help uh, the directors and the decision makers make those decisions and guide the rest of the organization. Let me see. Can you explain BG, BGP? If you know, no, I, I don't know when stuff, man. I can't. I, I know a dude. I, if my man, my man, uh, he jumped on. He could he could break it down for you. I cannot explain BGP or OWFPS or uh, open shortest path first is what it's called. Open shortest path first. Um, I can't explain those things. That's not my routing protocols and all that kind of stuff is way beyond me. I can't explain that stuff. Navi says, hey, Bruce, what do you think about four day week uh, by four day work week by Tim Ferriss? Uh, that's a great book. I read that one, too. Um, awesome book. Uh, Tim Ferriss, a huge fan. Um, he's a He's an incredible dude, very smart, very capable guy. He's a get it work kind of guy. Him and him and him and uh, James Cleary have a lot of the same kind of concepts of getting stuff done. Uh, yeah, four hour work week. Sorry, <laughs> four hour work week. What do I think about Tim Ferriss's book, Four Hour Work Week? I think it's awesome. It's it's been instrumental to me for me to do like side hustles. It's one of the things. There's a couple books that started me out on this path. And one of them was a four-hour work week of me doing my own side hustles and, and businesses and stuff. One's four-hour work week. The other one is one by uh, Gary V. Gary Vaynerchuk did a book. called. He did a few books that I've read. One was called um, Crushing It. And then the other one was called uh, Jab, Jab, Right Hook. And he's got like a few other ones, but those are the main ones that I've worked on that have really helped me out. And that's why I'm on several different platforms. And actually, one of the things that came from Vaynerchuk's book, which was, uh, um, what is it called? Crushing It, was where he, he talks about the concept is if you make long form content, he was one of the first ones to do this. You take long form content, like a plot of a podcast, like what I'm doing right now. You take it and you cut it into parts. It's kind of the it's the idea of like the lumber yards. What they'll do is they're selling you wood, but then they're also selling you the sawdust from the wood. <laughs> so what I do is I make a long term, long form content and then I break it into different parts. And in crushing it, one of the things he talks about is you got to make each bit of content fit that platform. 
which I, I try to do that. But I mean, I'm not always successful with that because that's much harder to do. But uh, the four hour work week is making your day more efficient by doing things like getting virtual assistance and stuff like that. So that, I started employing that. That definitely works. Um, definitely works. And now with with artificial intelligence, you can use artificial intelligence to also be a virtual assistant. So that combined with like, actually paying somebody to be a virtual assistant is super helpful. That's the only way I'm able to do as much as I do. If you're seeing like, if you're seeing my stuff on TikTok and on Amazon and on Facebook and in and LinkedIn and all these different places, the reason why is because I've used those two things: the four-hour work week, the stuff he said in that book, and then Vaynerchuk crushing it and jab jab right hook. You just combining those two things like has been super helpful, and they do work. Let me see. Got some other questions here on TikTok. Let me answer some of these. Um, does it help to go into cybersecurity with a criminal justice degree? Yes. So I started off in criminal justice. I was a police. I was a security. I was a police officer in the Air Force, which at the time was called security for uh, security police. And then it changed the name to security forces. And so I, I did law enforcement and I did security and I had a degree in um, uniform code of military justice. The UCMJ was my specialty, along with the M16A2 rifle <laughs> and the nine millimeter. Man, I could shoot. But so that was my bread and butter, like criminal justice. Right. And I, I feel for police officers as a thankless hard job. So I did that and I had a criminal justice degree. And um, when I cross-trained, when I transferred into computers, what I found was a lot of the concepts in criminal justice fit right into cybersecurity, like chain of custody. That's really important to forensics. Forensics itself has a whole section for digital forensics, which has a, many of the same concepts that you have in criminal justice. And then um, the law, actually, several laws are foundational to cybersecurity. A couple off the top of my head, one is called um, the Privacy Law of 1974, and another one is uh, the E-Government Act of, I can't remember what year it is, but it spawned a couple of other regulations that we all are using right now without even knowing it. One is called FISMA, and then there's a couple of federal uh, privacy laws that the federal government is supposed to um, that people in the federal government are supposed to adhere to. So the the laws that are that pertain to cybersecurity um, will be very fam not necessarily familiar, but how how they're implemented throughout the organizations will be familiar to you if you do have a criminal justice degree, because you'll you'll know like how that law was derived and then how it applies to this organization, what they're doing to apply that to the organization, for example. So those are some similar things. And another thing is your background as a, with criminal justice will help you in um, certain departments, like uh, the Department of Justice, it will help you out. Um, any kind of um, any kind of forensics, it'll help you out. If you do any kind of, if you go into any kind of three-letter agencies that do investigations like the FBI, they would look into you know, your criminal justice background will help there. Any kind of investigations, um, 
from from Air Force OSI to the CSI and the Navy and the Marines or whoever, like any branches, any kind of investigations, your criminal justice background would actually help you out a little bit. And then also compliance. It will if you go into like security compliance, it also helps you out there because you'll know like, OK, I, I know that where this legislation came from and I know why the organization is applying this in their policies. So because a lot a lot of times the organization has to enforce the laws that are coming down from the federal government. And that kind of lines up with your degree in criminal justice a little bit. So that's where it's helped me out. And that's where I saw some of the some of the concepts are similar. And I had a background mostly in security, so physical security. So I understood completely authentication, um, uh, authority, um, auth uh, access controls. I, those things like came like, I just got it. I'm like, okay, yeah, I get this. That, may, that makes sense that you wouldn't have an access list and only people on this access list would be um, have a need to go into this area and here's why and all that kind of stuff. So yes, the answer, answer your question. Super helpful. Um, is it hard to break into cyber without a degree? Um, I want to get in, but with just experience in entry level. Um, it's going to be hard to break into some, jo some jobs. Some jobs are going to be more difficult. But if you're trying to get your foot in the door, you will be able to find those jobs. I'll put it to you this way. It's like uh, it's like a checklist. And the more things you have on that checklist, the easier it's going to be for you to get a job. The number one thing on the checklist is going to be having experience. So that's the hardest thing for most people to get, including students. So if you have that, you've actually checked off one of the hardest things on the list. Another thing would be that's going to help you is going to be a degree. A degree is very helpful. It's going to open up more doors for you. And then another thing would be a certification. It's going to open up even more doors. The more check things you have checked off, the more skills you have, the more things you have, the more doors it'll open up. So I hope that that helps. You can find jobs that don't require a degree or a certification. As a matter of fact, if you go to LinkedIn, if you go to Indeed, if you go to Dice, if you go to Monster, you go to any of the top job sites in the U.S., they'll have a filter even. You can search for help desk jobs, and then there's a filter that says no experience, no degree, and you'll find those jobs. They don't pay as much, but it's a great way to get your foot in the door because the more experience you have, um, the more money you can make. Um, and then the more time you have working that job in that experience, the more time you have to get a certification or even a degree. And sometimes they'll even pay for it. They'll even pay. An organization sometimes will pay for you to go to school or to go to a boot camp and help you to get the degree because the more certifications you have, the more money that they are going to be able to, the more opportunities they're going to have because they're training up all their people. Okay, let me see. Walter says, any online schools you can recommend for someone who works many hours that you can recommend? Um, yes. So I would recommend a couple. Um, there's one. I went to the University of Phoenix. Um, what can I say that's good about the University of Phoenix? <laughs> it is very expensive. Uh, they run it like a business. It's a huge multi-billion dollar corporation. It's not cheap, but you will get a degree out of it. That said, the one I would recommend would be 
WGU. Now, I didn't go there, but many of my friends did. And uh, a lot of people I know, yeah, Chuck Driver, yeah, you could you could do this degree. It's an online degree. Um, it's a, it's an accredited college. They have lots of good stuff. And it's at an affordable price. And I'm sure people here if, can attest to it. There's people here who are alumni of WGU. WGU, yes. So it, alumni will tell you. You guys that are alumni of the WGU, um, go ahead and, and tell Walter about the colleges. Anybody else? Can, can you guys tell Walter about any? Can you suggest any colleges that you've either gone to or have a degree from or you're working on right now that you would suggest that he go to. He's a truck driver. He doesn't, he works very long hours. He's on the road. He'd have to like be studying in between as he's driving. He'd have to be, you know, he'd have to uh, be going to truck stops and then, you know, studying before he sleeps or whatever. Can you guys suggest anything to him? Person-centered cybersecurity. Hey, how you doing? How you doing, ma'am? I've been sending people to your site. They said it didn't up. You didn't update your site for a while, but I've been sending people there. <laughs> uh, let me see. So people are suggesting places for Walter to go. Appreciate that. Let me see if there's any other TikTok questions here. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the security issues with TikTok. I know some people aren't going to like what I have to say about it, but um, so recently there was a backdoor, a possible alleged backdoor from uh, from TikTok to the CCP, Chinese uh, Communist Party's government. And um, there is reason to be concerned, especially if you work directly for a national security type organization or if you're a journalist. Huge concerns um, because I would say that uh, if if the if any government really, not just the Chinese government, can grab your information, they can know your location. It definitely shouldn't be on your phone, at your, on your work phone. It, sh it shouldn't be on your work phone. I actually agree with that law that they just passed. Some of the states are passing it and saying, "Look, we don't want TikTok on your. It's not allowed. We're locking the phone down." I actually agree with that. But on your personal devices, probably if you're a journalist, you shouldn't have it on anything. You shouldn't have it on anything if you're a journalist. It's just, it's just too risky. And too many governments are going after journalists. I mean, real talk here, real talk. A lot of governments are going after journalists. If you look around the world, some, some governments that you would think are cool are okay, they go after journalists. And if you're saying stuff and uh, about their government or about their leadership – they can track you down with social media. And I would argue that you probably don't want to have Facebook there either, <laughs> to be honest with you, if you happen to work. And if you work for any kind of intel, if you work for the military, if you work for if you're in the military, National Guard or otherwise, I would say just don't put it on your you can put it on your personal phone. Uh, probably no problem with that, but probably don't want to put it on your work phone and you probably don't want to use it at work. I would say, on, on personal or otherwise, uh, it probably is a bad idea, especially if you're in a, in a sensitive area, in a you know sensitive part of the world, sensitive base, doing sensitive work. You probably don't want to do that while you're, you know, it's just a bad idea because they can track where you're going because they can download all the stuff from your phone. 
That said, for personal use, um, I've uh, one of the people in my comments on uh, YouTube said, hey, you know, I don't trust any cybersecurity person who's using TikTok or is on TikTok. Okay, but if you're that critical of TikTok, then you should also be that critical of Facebook uh, and all the other social media platforms because they all do the same thing and they just serve different masters, if that makes any sense. My thinking on it is that the federal government has all of my personal information going back to the day I was born because I have several clearances. I've had several clearances. They know everything about me. I know because I've given them the information because that's that was the that was the what I had to sacrifice in order to get into those fields. <laughs> so uh, it for me personally, it's more detrimental if my government has my information than another government has my information. That's just my that's my thinking on it. Um, I think all social media platforms, what they're doing is they're using our information. We we are basically their commodity. They use us as their product. We are their product. Our information, this live stream, this is their product. They're using this to promote their ads, to get more ad revenue, to promote their product, to promote the platform. So they all do it. It's not just TikTok, right? If if the government, if our federal government is going to go after TikTok, they should also equally go after Facebook. I would say Facebook is more detrimental to us as individuals because, I mean, they they can do way more damage and have done way more damage because they they're literally here, you know, allowing people to give all to put out false narratives, not only allowing it, but promoting it sometimes. These false narratives, these lies, these um, conspiracy theories, they're inspiring people to go out and try to take over the capital or whatever. They allow that to happen. So if anything, I think that Facebook should be held liable as well. So is is the CCP spying? Probably. Yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, why? Yeah, sure. Um, do you have a reason to be concerned? Not any more than you should be concerned about Facebook and 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 YouTube and all the other social media platforms. I'm just being completely real with you um, on on the nature of what's happening here. You know, so that's my take on it. Um, that's why I'm, I, I was very hesitant to do TikTok, but I was just thinking when I really thought about it, I'm like, man, Facebook has way more of my information, you know. And I've done everything I can to not everybody out there. I would encourage you never use your real name, never use your real location, never on any platform. And if you have it out there, I would I would encourage you to change it immediately. Don't use your real name, your na real date of birth, your real place of birth. Don't use any real information out there. Don't put I would not put pictures of your kids. I would not put it's just dangerous. I would just be careful about putting your real information out there. So this is somebody who I've listen, I've been doing this for a long time. And there's been a couple times when I went viral. And uh, it doesn't always go well. You know what I mean? Because no matter how positive you think your information is, somebody out there is going to think that you said the worst thing possible about them, 
their family, their country. You maybe you didn't have you said something that you think is completely benign and they hear it and they lose their minds and they're going to try to track you down. That's happened to me more than once. Good and bad, by the way, but good and bad. Okay, let me see. It's been six months since I made a cybersecurity video. I'm in training for fitness competition. Oh, wow. What are you doing? What are, you, are you like running a race fitness competition? And I've been making videos for that channel. I'll be making cybersecurity videos soon. though. Oh, awesome. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. I'll send more people your way. Um, I send people to your video about uh, the CompTIA CSYA Plus, I think it's called. That that's it's like a SOC analyst certification. I send people there because like I like your breakdown of it. Let me see here. They use Azure. Okay, let me see. They use Azure for workers. And stuff, any recommendations for learning it? Azure, um, I would ask the group like that. We've got a couple uh, cloud experts here. Anybody have any recommendations on learning Azure? I think it's AZ900 that you want to check out, if, if I'm not mistaken. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. There's a couple of cloud experts on here that, that jump on here from time to time, and they can they can break it all down for you. Let me see. Got some other questions here. Comments, questions, complaints. I'm here for you guys right now. Open topics. Anything you guys want to discuss, I'm open to it. Let me see here. Okay, here's another comment question. It said, you just read books to prepare for the cert. Um, I did, I personally do more than read books than prepare for the search. And let me ask some of the experts. I got a lot of cybersecurity people who are watching me right now. What are you guys, somebody just said, do you just read books to prepare for certs? What do you guys do? I want to know what you guys do so we can help, help this person out. For me, I don't just read books. So what I'll do is I'll do labs. Um, it depends on what I'm studying for. If it's more of a hands-on type thing, I'll do some labs. Um, I take notes on the books that I read, and then I study my notes. That's the for me. Um, that's how I retain information the fastest. I'm a tactile learner. If I write it down, I pretty much got it. Another thing I'll do is I'll watch videos about it. Videos, for me personally, are not as good for me personally, but I will watch them to kind of refresh my memory. I like watch videos over and over again about that specific thing. Um they're, they're good for like if I'm on the go, if I want to listen to something while I'm walking around or something where it's like refreshing my memory. But for the most part, writing down for me helps the best. And another thing, the last thing I'll do is I'll take tests. There's a bunch of online tests that you can go to and you'll just go through and, um, and uh, take the tests over and over again. And after a while, you'll start to see the same questions pop up. For the for that topics of that certification, and man, that works really really good for me, taking those tests over and over and over again. And now with ChatGPT with artificial intelligence, now what you can do is you can have art the artificial intelligence actually ask you the questions, and it's very very good at that. And um, somebody asked, what prompts do you use to write policies, procedures, 
based on cybersecurity standards like NIST. So if you guys want to know this one, I do use ChatGPT quite a, quite a bit for like initial, like if I want to get a first draft, um, it's very helpful to know like how to write it and stuff. But I can like give you a quick demonstration. Now I have a, a whole book about how to do this that's coming out really, really soon. And um, it's talking about how I, I've used ChatGPT to help me out with my with my basic knowledge. There's only so far you can you can go with it because with cybersecurity, sometimes you're dealing with with sensitive information. And so you can't. You know, there's only so much you can do, like I, if you could put in all the information, it would be super, super helpful. But unfortunately, you know. A lot of the platforms out there right now are publicly available, so you can't. There's only so much you can do. That said, it's is a quite a bit you can do. So let me let me show you guys what what you can. A couple things you can do. They're helpful. Couple prompts. Let me see if I can. I don't know if this is gonna work on. I apologize in advance on TikTok, but um, let me see. So here's a. Let me see if I can find one of my old prompts that worked on here. Um, here's, let me see if this one, mm, let me see. Oh, that's for a book. Oh man, I got so much stuff on here. <laughs> okay. Here's one. If you wanted to summarize FedRAMP, for example, let's say we wanted to, let me see if I can make this bigger. So FedRAMP is a government, um, it's a government method of doing cloud. So making sure you have authorized cloud. So you could say something like summarize, just a simple one, a standard prompt would be summarize FedRAMP for a newbie. Super simple, right? And it goes into, let me see, FedRAMP or Federal Risk and Authorization Management Program is a U.S. government-wide standard for approach for security assessments, authorization, continuous monitoring for cloud products, and blah, blah, blah. And it's breaking it all down. So this is a very simple prompt. It's giving us lots and lots of information, breaking everything down. This is good. But how can we be more effective? What can we... What can we get? How can we get more out of this? So here's how you can get a little bit more out of this. You can say something like, okay, as soon as it's done, let's just stop this one right here. This is giving us basic information you could have gotten off of Wikipedia. So now let's say we wanted to know a little bit more. We could say act as a 20-year cyber security cloud expert. Now we're giving it more context. Now we're going to say, give me information on the FedRAMP uh, process. Break it down for someone who is new to IT, limit or explain 
all jargon. Do you understand? Absolutely. And it says, I'll explain the FedRAMP process in simple, jargon-free way. Imagine you're a principal at a school and you're thinking about hiring a bus service to transport students. You'd want to make sure that the bus driver is safe and follows all necessary regulations, right? Um, that's essentially the FedRAMP, what the FedRAMP does for U.S. federal government. When they want to use cloud services, they are they are uh, online spaces where data can be stored, and then it goes into the audit process. There are five straightforward steps. There's a pre-audit, and it explains that, the independent audit, the documentation, the review, and all that. And it's breaking it down in a way that is for a person who's a basic IT person. And then another thing you can do, which is really cool, is write test. You can have it write a test for you if you happen to already be involved in cloud or FedRAMP. You could have it write a test. Um, you could write have it write uh, the initial part and the framework for the for FedRAMP for uh, a FedRAMP system security plan. You could give it. Um, what I've done is I'll give it like fake information. Like you can't, obviously sometimes you can't put, you, I mean, you can't put sensitive information on here. I guess you cannot do that. But what you can do is, is have it create sample data of a fake system and then feed that fake system back into it and have it write you a system security plan. You can do something like that. What another thing is really, really, really good at is, is finding security incidents. If you give it a security if you give it logs and tell it to find suspicious activity within the logs, boom, it'll find it. Now, you can't take logs from a real system and put it in there. So what you can do is have it generate fake logs and then feed those fake logs back in and have it find something. Or you can find publicly available logs and feed those into it and see how it works, just to see how it works. I'm sure that very soon on FedRAMP itself, the government site, they're going to come out with ways to actually use uh, artificial intelligence within your environment. As a matter of fact, Amazon Bedrock has a solution that's, I'm sure, going to be available to the government really soon. Um, Google has a an implementation for B2B or using B2B generative artificial intelligence that's coming really soon. Uh, and then so does Microsoft Azure. So there are all of those giant platforms who already satisfy stuff for the federal governments around the world are going to, I'm sure, going to start implementing this for, uh, they're going to, they're going to start using, the governments are going to start using those uh, big box uh, AI, generative AI that's in a closed environment where you could use some sensitive information. I'm sure it's coming. So now's the time to actually learn prompts and prompt engineering. Not only that, but cloud technology as well. Uh, let me see if I got any more questions here. Policies and could you write a policy and procedure with NIST? Absolutely, you can. I did a whole video about that.
Um, let me see if there's any more questions. Well, it's kind of light today. Not getting a lot of people on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, or TikTok. So I might have to cut this one a little bit short. But I appreciate everybody who jumped on. Thank you for all your great questions. I'm sure I missed some questions. I'm kind of trying to search through them right now. Um, where are the videos? If you go to YouTube and type in uh, and check out Combo Courses, that's my site. I have a breakdown where I did a live on uh, using GPT to font to uh, do policies. Let me see what it's called. Go to YouTube, and then you're going to search for Combo Courses. Convo, Convo Courses. Go to my site, and then what you probably want to do is type in Chat GPT Policy. And yep, there it is right there. I did one where you do a policy for ISO 27001, a security policy. And I think I did one for PCI compliance as well. And all I'm doing is walking you through it, like how you would actually go ahead and do that. Um, hell, I could do it right now. As a matter of fact, it's super easy. So check it out. I'm back on um, ChatGPT. And in my book, I go through this step by step for NIST 800. I go through every step of this and then like some of the some of the gotchas and everything. If you want to find the book, just go to Amazon. Actually, you can just go straight to straight to uh, combocourses.net. You'll find links to to some of my books. The actually the book is coming out. I haven't released it yet except to my newsletter. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> I have a, a whole book of how you do this. All right, but here you go. You would type in First of all, let's say we don't know uh, what uh, ISO 27001 document would look like. So we could say, what are the documents? Let's get smarter on this first. Documents for ISO 27001. Now it's going to give us a short list of all the documents. All right, so first one is the scope of the ISMS. And then it's going into the policy. So we want we want this one right here, information security policy for ISO 27001. So we're going to we're going to focus on that one right there. It's going to go through a whole bunch of other ones. I'll just stop it right here cuz we found what we want. We want this one right here. So I'm going to go like this. Check this out. So I'm going to go I'm going to grab this one, and then I'm going to go to here, ISO 27001 policy, and we're just going to tell it create, 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 let's, let's do this the right way, act as a 20-year cyber PRC expert. GRC policy expert create a comprehensive policy and then we'll just say it like this and now the best thing you could do is give it some sort of an example like if you already had 
a template that you can go by. You can, you could copy and paste in here an example of what you want to see. The more context you give uh, generative AI, that goes for Bing, Bard, all of the other ones that are out there. They're getting better and better every day. Like the, the speed at which these things are getting better is crazy. But anyway, let's just start with this right here. Let's say for a system, oops, system called ISO 20 billion. I'm <laughs> just making stuff up, y'all. It's 20 bill. Now, watch this. It's going to create, is this going to hallucinate a fake system and, and give us a template? There it is right there. It starts off with an introduction that describes the purpose of the actual policy itself. Then it describes the scope of the actual document of the system that we came up with. Goes into the objectives. Now, this is doing a couple things for us. This is educating us on the structure that we need to do for our own, uh, for our, our real policy in the end. This is great because we could just go ahead and copy this thing. Let me sh I'll show you how to do that in a second. And there's other plugins that you could use. You got to be careful with plugins. But there's plugins that you could use to actually transfer this to a Word document or a PDF after it was done. One of the gotchas of this, as I was writing my book that focuses on the NIST 800, I did a whole, a whole breakdown on how you can use this for the NIST 800, which is coming soon. I've only released it to a few people on my newsletter so far so I can get the reviews from those from my people. And uh, anyway, so let's copy this real quick. You would copy this and put this into a into a Word document, and then you start working on that Word document from there. But anyway, one of the gotchas for my book uh, that came up, the book's coming out really, really soon. Look for it within the next week. I'm going to release it for free, just like I do to all you guys who watch me. I don't have many people watching here. I don't have anything to worry about. So you guys are... The people who watch me are dedicated, like super dedicated. <laughs> Normally, people who watch me. So what I'll do is give you guys a free copy of it, and then I'll ask for a review. And those reviews help me out with the financially. They help me out because that's how Amazon like ranks you. So that's why I give it out for free. If you were wondering. So anyway, so uh, that one of the gotchas of using NIST 800, uh, a GPT for NIST 800 or any of the other ones is that you kind of got to know what you're, you got to know. It's, it doesn't exempt you from knowing the material. If you're thinking, this is going to replace me. This is going to replace my job. How are we going to be able to do? Well, listen, this thing hallucinates so much that there's, there's a lot of wrong information there. You really got to read through it and you really got to know where it's wrong. Like for example, uh, a lot of the generative AI, the large language models that are out there, if you just type in, uh, give me a breakdown of this 800 risk management framework, it's going to tell you about risk management framework version one, which doesn't include prepare and which has a different set of security controls. Most organizations are going off of Rev 2, revision 2. I know that because that's the I know this field like I've been working in this for a long time. So as soon as it said that, I was like, wait a minute, it's missing some controls here. It's missing this control and that control. This control was in the last book. I knew that because I'm a subject matter expert on it. It's it's an extremely good 
helpful tool, but it's not a replacement. You know, I, if it was a replacement, that'd be great, actually, because then right now it's in a position where nobody, no organization worth worth its salt is going to, but is going to trust everything this thing says, even if it is way better than the average human, which it is. Um, because I, I'll give you an example why, and it, this will make a lot of sense. Okay, so there was this financial institution. There's two institutions who are always on the cutting edge of technology. Can you guess which ones they are? One is the porn industry, and one is the financial sector. And both of them are doing that for the same reasons, money. <laughs> so in the financial sector, what they found was they started working on generative AI way before it got popular. They've been working in like labs and research labs and stuff. And so what they found was it freaking works. It works. It can call numbers. They have one, that, a few that were, were really accurate and was able to like at a something like a 60% level ac accurately predict and to make them profit over and over again. The reason why they don't rely heavily on it and then start using it for like their main customers and main clients and stuff is because if one day it gets it wrong and they don't know why, it's too much risk. It's too risky. Do you know what I'm, does that make sense? If they don't know why it's getting the answer right, then when it gets the answer wrong, it could be catastrophic. You got to know why it's getting it right. And that was the problem. They didn't know why it was getting it right 80% of the or 65% of the time or whatever it was. They, it was getting it right, getting it right, getting it right, getting it right. But then they were like, how is it How is it getting it right? They, they don't know. They don't know how it was getting it right. So then they're like, you know, we can use this on the back end as like a research tool, but we can't use this. We can't rely too heavily on this because we don't know why it's getting it right. So the one time it gets it wrong, the level of risk is too high. It could be catastrophic and they won't even know why. It it bet on, uh, say, Airbnb when Airbnb was going down. It bet on it and it keeps and it got it right. And it's like, man, how did it get right? But then that one time it bets on, I don't know, Delta Airlines. And it's like, oh, it's going down, but it's betting on Delta Airlines and then Delta Airlines just tanks. But they don't know why. It's too risky. And it's the same thing with cybersecurity. If an organ organizations are dealing with people's livelihoods, they're dealing with the reputation of organizations. They're dealing with real world incidents that are happening that could destroy, you know, that that are very can be very corrosive. Like they got to stop and they got to know why it stopped. They got to know every part of the process as they're doing incident handling, for example. And if you introduce some black box in there that does everything for you, but you don't know why it's doing what it's doing. It's just too risky. There's a level of risk that you have to, it has to be open source within your organization. You have to know every part of what's happening and every person who's doing everything so that you know the level of risk that you're dealing with. If you put everything into a black box, you don't know the level of risk and you don't want to handle, there's certain things like your money, your reputation, people's lives, resources that can tank the whole organization that you don't want to put too much in the hands of a black box that you don't know what it's doing. Now, at some point, they'll figure it out. And at that point, all of us are probably out of a job.
<laughs> but until then, we're good. Okay, somebody said, um, um, cut the corner says, just on simple math, uh, GPT-4 makes a lot of mistakes. Yeah, it's not there yet. It It's going to be there eventually, but right now it's just not there. Um, it's it's incredible. Don't get me wrong. It's 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 incredible. Like it is, it's so intuitive. Sometimes I mean I'm I re, I'm actually using it quite a bit, and I'm just I'm blown away every time. But there's certain things that I'm like, what? <laughs> every now and then, like the the risk management framework stuff. It got it keeps it consistently gets it wrong, and I'm like to the point where I have to write the prompt in a certain way that it forces it to get it right because I tell it. The answer. I'm like, I've got to word it in such a way that uh, that it can't get it wrong. I have to say, um, write a system security plan for NIST 800 risk management framework Rev 37. I mean, uh, revision two that has the prepare step as the first step, and then answer my, ask my question. I've got to like ask. I've got to put all the context in to the question so that it already knows which rev, ret, which eight special publication to use, which revision it is, and then ask the question so that it gets it close as close to right as possible. It's still very helpful, but as a subject matter expert on this one thing, I can tell you it's wrong sometimes. I can look at it and say, hmm, that's not right. That's not right. It got this part excellent, but this other part's wrong. Okay, let me see. Do you think cybersecurity jobs will be replaced? No, I don't. I do not think they're going to be replaced because there's too much risk involved. It's too it's too risky. Um, at this point, I think it's going to be an addition to our job. It's going to be a great addition to our job. I think you're going to have, as a cybersecurity person, just like we have to know a little bit of networking, we have to know a little bit of cloud, we're going to have to know some AI. That's what I think is going to happen. Because the AI is going to be put in Splunk, a tool that a lot of us use for SIEM technologies. It's going to be put in uh, Logarithm, which is another SIEM. It's going to be put in things like um, scanners, scan devices are going to use it. Any kind of security tools that we use, it's going to, it's going to include AI. It's just it's it's kind of like the auto replace the auto complete feature. Think about it. Auto complete started get, getting put in email and search engines in uh, messaging apps in everywhere because it's just easy. It's just it makes it your life a little bit easier. Now AI is going to be put in all these things. And also, if you if you didn't know, Google just did a keynote speech where all they did was talk about AI and they were talking about exactly what I'm telling you. They're, they're implementing it in Gmail in in a uh, search engine in their search engine. They're putting it in, uh, in Google sheets. They're putting it on Google drive. They're putting it on, they're implementing it everywhere. And they're working on one called Gemini. That's as good or better than chat GPT. They already have one called Bard that's out there right now that you can use, but they're working on one right now. That's even better than that and to really try to compete with ChatGPT. And they're trying to put that in place of all search, which is gonna change the whole landscape of the entire internet very, very soon. Very, very soon. Within this year, all this stuff is gonna be released. I would I would probably say within the next three months. 
That's how fast this is going. This is going to change all of our lives and everything we're doing. And I think that the best thing to do is lean into it right now. That if you can't beat them, join them, lean into it and use it to our advantage. It, we could sit here and think all day about like doom and gloom and how it's going to destroy everything. And um, we're all going to die. It's going to replace our jobs. And we're going to all have to have basic, in, you know, basic income or whatever the hell it's called. Um, or you could say, listen, I'm going to use this for my business, my side hustle. I'm going to use this for my job so I can learn Splunk better. I'm going to use this thing to write books. I'm going to use this thing to write a better web page design. I'm going to use this thing. Use it. Use it to your advantage. It's not the end of the world. It's This is an opportunity that right now we're, we are on the cutting edge of this because we know about it. Most people don't know about it. They're just hearing about it. You and I need to use it like now. Like right now. Uh, what are your favorite cyber security, uh, cyber news sources to keep up with everything? Um, let me see. There's a couple. I'll just use, to be honest, like, I mean, I know it's boring, but I'll just go to Google News and just look at cyber, the latest technology. Um, that's probably the top one. I'll also do, uh, excuse me, I'll go to uh, Google Assistant. You could use a, you could do this on Alexa. You can do this on whatever um, voice command thing you use, which another thing, voice command is going to get taken over completely by AI very, very soon. I mean, it's so inevitable. Anyway, so <laughs> uh, so I use Google Voice and just ask it to listen to news. I'll just say, hey, Google, play news on tech, and it'll start playing the news on the tech on the latest in the technology field. Um, one podcast I listen to every now and then is called S Security Now. Security Now by Twit. Um, I can't remember the guy's name who does it. Um, Steve, I can't remember the guy's name, but that dude's really smart. Um, and uh, those those guys, I'll listen. I'll listen to that to keep on top of it. Another place I go to is um, CISA.gov. That's a good site. Another one is probably the most, the one I do the most is probably uh, CVE. Usually I'll have to go to the actual vendor sites to look up vulnerabilities and plugins and things like that. So that's mainly where I go to, you know. Can you ingest, uh, invest in Gemini? I think it was called Gemini. Let me just make sure. I don't want to lie to you guys. Google new AI project. Um, is it called Gemini or is it called? Let me just make sure. I want to say it was called Gemini. Gemini. I apologize if I got this wrong, y'all. Just sitting up here talking and talking and talking. Yeah, here it is right here. Check this out. It's called Gemini. <laughs> This is wild, man. There's so many changes with AI happening right now. I have not had, in my career, in doing this all these years, I've not experienced anxiety like I have right now. It's changing so fast, I found myself have a, a little bit of anxiety over, this, over the changes. Google unveils Gemini. It's a new and improved open AI GPT rival. Yeah. 
So there it is right there. Bard is getting a big upgrade. Bard already got this big upgrade, by the way. But they're working on something way bigger than this called Gemini. Yep. Can you invest in it? I mean, I you'd have to invest in uh, in Alphabet, which is a very expensive stock that owns um, Google and and uh, DeepMind and all the other stuff that they have going on. So this is this is going to change us as a species, I'm sure. And my my thinking is this: we got to lean into it. We as IT people need to know about it. So we can know like where the where the downsides are, you know, it's not all good, but we have to be if we want to be on the leading cutting edge of it, we got to know what to do with it, how to use it. You know. What are the books? Are you you are you referring to the books that I talked about in the very beginning of this? So in the very beginning of this live, I mentioned three different books that I think that are life changing that I think you should check out. And they don't really have to do directly with security. I just, they're great for like a life hack. And one is called um, Atomic Habits by James Cleary. The other one's called 12 Week Year. And the other one is called uh, You Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Um, so David Cleary's book is Atomic Habits, which is breaking down like what is the best way to accomplish your goals? And it's by making habits that make those goals more than possible, uh, make them happen. And then the other one is 12-week year, which is taking your entire year, any goals you had for the year, and condensing them down into 12 weeks. That means you're treating one week like one month. And if you think it's impossible, read the book because I've implemented it, and that's how I've been able to write. Man, I wrote four books in the past couple few months yeah in the past few months i've written it just got me off my ass like i just i had a few that are just waiting there and it's like what are you wait what are you doing like why would you sit on these books i'm like man i'm gonna i'm gonna make a move i'm gonna make this happen and i start moving books so the last one's called you can't hurt me by david goggins david goggins more of a biography of david goggins's life and this dude is a military genius dude's a military beast the dudes he's a special forces he made the special forces in three different branches of the military he's got uh uh he's he's like an ultra runner and he's talking about how he's able to do it and essentially he's saying that don't focus on what you think you deserve target what you're willing to earn, let that sink in. It's a big difference. What you think you deserve is was why you're probably upset, why you're up mad, why you're why you get frustrated because you think that you deserve a certain thing. A sense of entitlement, especially among Americans, is really strong. You feel like you deserve a certain thing. And you're, you're frustrated because you're not getting it and you put in all this work. You think you did so much work. You deserve a certain amount of thing. You 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 believe you deserve a certain thing. That's the main premise. But 
target what you are willing to earn. Think about what that statement says. So what you're willing to earn means you're willing to do whatever it takes to get that thing done. And it's it that means that you're willing to shed anything that you cannot change. What you're willing to earn. Think about that. You can't change how people feel about you. You can influence it. You can indirectly influence how people think about you, but ultimately they're the, they're the masters of their own fate. You can't control. I can't control how America thinks about me as a black guy. I can't control how our organization thinks about me, right? But what I can do is change how I think about myself. I can earn what I think about myself. I can earn my own love and respect and know that no amount of awards that they give me is going to match what I've done for the for these for people around me. There's no amount of rewards, but the rewards that I give myself that I know that I've the things I know that I've accomplished are far, the reward I give myself is far greater than any thank you, any respect, any love that I can get from anyone else. And that was a very powerful thing to that I had in that book. That book that book changed the way I think and it, it made me reevaluate the things I thought were important and put my own, my values before all of that. Because a lot of times us as human beings, we're always trying to gain other people's approval. We're always trying to gain other people's, we want people to love us and we want people to respect and give us, put us on this pedestal or whatever. That shit doesn't matter, man. What matters is you, is you got to put yourself on that pedestal. Man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got to put yourself on that pedestal because you deserve it. But you got to earn it first, though. That's that's the magic. You got to earn it. And you know how much work it takes to earn it. And that's that right there is the magic part. If you if you earn your own respect and love, then no, ma no amount of other people giving it to you is going to satisfy you. Not to say you don't want it still, like if you get it, it's, that's cool, but that's not why you did it. It forces you, if you target what you're willing to earn, you're going to do a level of work. You're going to put in a, a cert, so much work that not even you can deny yourself. You cannot deny yourself uh, the love and respect that you deserve. And once you get, once you give yourself that love and respect, no amount of rewards are going to compare to what you, how much you, you know in your heart how much work you did. And nobody could take that away from you. And what happens is no matter how many trolls say what you didn't do or what you should do, you know what work you put in and why. You're not, you're not going to put in the level of work you need to do unless it was absolutely worth dying for. You know what I mean? You're going to do something that was worth dying for. And once you put in that work, nobody can take away the feeling of accomplishment that you give that you give to yourself by accomplishing it. You So when somebody says, "Man, you did a great job," whatever, that's like, "Thank you." And then you're just going to keep going because <laughs> you're doing something that's worth your time. Um you're doing something that's worth your life. 
and it forces you to find that thing, whatever whatever it happens to be. So those three books are life-changing. That's what I got out of it. You might get something totally different out of, out of that statement. Don't focus on what you think you deserve, what you think you deserve. Target what you're willing to achieve. What it meant to me, it was like it was like getting stabbed in the heart because I was like, damn. <laughs> that one statement in that book was like, I was like, oh my God. I started evaluating myself. I started thinking like, you know where it hit me? I realized I was really angry and I didn't, and why? I realized why, I knew I was angry, but I realized why I was angry. And the reason why I was angry is because I do a lot and I don't feel like, I feel like I deserve better, better treatment. But then here comes David Goggins saying, you're entitled. You feel like you deserve something. You're delusional. What are you willing to earn? Target what you're willing to earn. And what that meant to me is that there's only a few things that I directly control. And that's my own mindset. Everything else, I can't control how my kids think about me. I can't control how my spouse or family or friends think or what they're going to do. I can't control what they're going to do. But I can control how I feel about me. Target what you're willing to earn. Earn your own love, your own respect. And if you can actually apply it to anything in your life, spiritual life, your career, in your career, like what are you willing to earn? Are you willing to earn that certification? Really? Are, how willing are you? How willing are you? Are you willing to fail a half a dozen times? How willing are you willing to earn that certification? Are you willing to earn that degree? Are you willing to earn it? Ask yourself that question. Seriously. And if the answer is no, then walk away. Do something else. It's just a hardcore. It's just hard. It's just and that 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 kind of like hardcore male energy struck me right. It slapped me right in the face. And it was exactly what I needed. It was exactly what I needed to kickstart me. I start targeting what I can, what I what I'm willing to earn. Cause if you're if if your life depended on it, would you be willing to go for it? If your life, if you if somebody kidnapped your kids and put a gun to their head, God forbid, God forbid, but would you do it? Would you accomplish it in 12 weeks? Could you do it? The answer is yes. That you can do anything. If if the stake if the stakes were high enough, what's the second book? The second book is taught, called the Twelve Week Year. Think about that. It's it's taking all the goals you would have taken in a year, like everything you you that you were gonna do when you did you did your New Year's resolution, and I'm gonna do this in twelve week months. I'm gonna do this in twelve months. Whatever that is, think about what it is. This is what I did. I did this. I took, I listed down everything I wanted to do in 12 months. And then I condensed it, excuse me, into 12 weeks. And what that does 
is it forces you to truly evaluate what you want to do because you can't do them all. You can't you can't do them all. So now you're down to like one or two things that you absolutely want to do. Here's the book right here, by the way, 12 week year. And once you do that, it forces you to look at the key, uh, the key, the lead indicators. And one of, that's another concept in the book that was very powerful is that you got key indicators and you got lead indicators. And most people, uh, you got, sorry, lead indicators and you got lag indicators. And most people focus on lag indicators. And if you want to know what those are, it's like if you wanted to lose weight, if you, you want to lose 20 pounds and you get on the scale and you 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 see that you, you know, damn, OK, I lost three pounds. I got to keep going. Right. That's a lag indicator. The pounds are the lag indicator. The lead indicator is how many push ups did you do? How many miles did you run? How many sit ups did you do? The pain is the lead indicator. That's the thing we don't want to think about. And so with this book, it says, like, if you want to accomplish this, then you have to think about the lead indicators. And if you can do every day, do 80 percent, like you set yourself a goal every day, um, every day to lead to the week, be that one thing being done. The thing that you would have done in a month, you're going to condense it into one week. I, I know it sounds crazy, but I, I'm telling you. I listed everything I wanted to do in a year, everything I wanted to do. And it was a huge list. It was like real estate. I'm going to write X amount of books. I want to get in shape and have six pack. I want to make $100,000. I want all this stuff. Like I listed this whole big ass list and then I broke them down. I was like 12 week year. Okay. And this week I'm going to do, do this, 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 this. I got three days in and I damn near killed myself because I was really doing it. I was really doing it. I was like really going down the list. And then what I realized is that this is unsustainable. I can't do all this stuff. And so what I did was I ended up cutting off everything, all 12. I had like 12 different things, all 12 things. I got it down to one thing, one thing, which was writing. That's one thing I want to do above all else. If there's nothing else I do, I want to write. That's why I'm right. If you are wondering how the hell am I releasing so many books, it's the 12 week year. I'm. I'm not even playing around. I'm not playing around at all. I'm going for it. And there's this, I watch MMA sometimes, and there's this one dude named uh, Adesanya, the style bender. And there's this one fight he had where this dude was whooping his ass. He was getting rocked. And if you've ever seen the style bender, this dude is really talented. He's this Nigerian dude who's from uh, New Zealand or something. And this dude is, he's so talented. Dude's so smooth with it. He's a tactician with it. But this, he gets in there and he just is, yeah. He gets rocked, man. This dude, he just gets, he's getting, his face is all swollen up. And he's about to go, like he's in this round. And the, it's so bad that the ref takes him to the corner. He's like, are you good? You good? Are you, are we, what do you want to do? And he's like, he mouths the word. You can't hear him say it, but he's like, he nods and he says, I'm ready to die. What it is, is a mindset. He's saying, I would rather die than lose this fight. I will do it. I will go as far as this fight will take me. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get that certification, to get that degree. Whatever it is, 
that's the mindset you have to have for the 12 week year. And that's the mindset that he talks about in the book uh, in uh, that David Goggins talks about. And you can't hurt me. I will do whatever it takes to make to make this happen. I'm, I'm not going to stop. I'm willing to earn this. And if I fail, I'm going to get up and I'm going to try harder. And I'm going to keep doing it until it's done. And that's all I have for this week, guys. Thank you so much for watching. I appreciate it. Maybe next week I'll have another book for you. Um, I'll keep you guys in the loop. Um, I'm working on a couple right now. Um, I'm working on one for cybersecurity, more for like entry level type people, because I'm, I'm getting a lot of questions about that. So I'm, I've been writing that one. I've got another one coming out really soon that I was talking about earlier. That's for the NIST 800 risk management framework and using chat TBT to leverage that. Um, I'm out of here, guys. Thank you so much. Um, I appreciate everybody. I am done. I appreciate everything. You guys are great. I'll see you guys tomorrow.